This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Would you please open your Bible or your Bible app to Psalm 62, a psalm attributed to King David. I'm reading just selective verses from Psalm 62 this morning, not reading the entire psalm, so you can follow along in your Bible, your Bible app, or the verses should appear on the screen also. Psalm 62, verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And then... David repeats the very same words in verse 5. So he, he doesn't want us to miss this critical portion of his testimony. Verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Then jump down to verse 11. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to you, to, to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. Two of my favorite verses in this psalm are neatly packaged together at the very end. Let me read them again to you, but from a different translation. Psalm 62, verses 11 and 12. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Years ago, I conducted a funeral for a man that I, I didn't know very well. I had spoken to him a few times, our kids played hockey together, so we chatted at the rink on a number of occasions, but I, I didn't really know him. But when the, when the gentleman died, the family asked me to take his funeral. I was not his pastor. I wasn't a close friend. We weren't neighbors. I didn't know him very well. And that's, that's exactly what I said at the funeral. I, I was honest. I didn't want to stand up there and pretend like I knew this guy and so I just, I was honest. I, I said I don't, I didn't know him well, but that I was honored to be asked to do the funeral, uh, even though we were not well acquainted. But, I said, I, I, I do know Jesus. I, I know Jesus. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to talk about Jesus for a few minutes. And then I read Psalm 62, these two verses. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. The opening phrase of verse 11 is just another way for the author to say, you know, what I'm about to say is absolutely certain. This is, this is what I know. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. You can be sure about this. You can count on this. You can depend on it. You can take it to the bank. God is loving, and God is strong. You can, you can bank on that. Our God is a strong God. You know, when my son Nathan was just a toddler, I would often lift him up with one hand 
and place my hand on his belly and he would stretch out his arms and legs and we'd fly around the living room like an airplane. And he would say to me with great admiration in his voice, Daddy, you strong. Well, now that I'm over 40, 50, 60, and he's 33, I can't pick him up anymore. Believe me, that, that, that day is long gone. And he's the strong one now. And, and he has three beautiful girls of his own and, and one amazing, beautiful wife. And yet, the older I get, maybe the older we get, the stronger God seems to be. No? The stronger God seems to be. As we get older and de- learn to depend on him more, God seems greater and stronger and bigger than ever before. For example, when I look at verses like this from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? In other words, is there anything you can't do? You, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are, are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Wow. He rules over all the kingdoms of all the nations. So there's nothing in your life that he can't handle. Nothing. His strength knows no limitations. My strength certainly knows limitations. A lot of limitations. Uh, If you were here last week, you heard my voice kind of croak and it was scratchy and I had a terrible throat. The doctor put me on some antibiotics this week. My back went out. Patty twisted her knee. Our daughter Jamie had seizures all week long, and she was under care and oxygen. And I mean, it was just a horrible, no good, very bad week at the Linos. But God showed up every day, and in his strength proved to us that he is God. He rules over all. His power and might and majesty and glory are in His hand. And no one can stand against Him. No one. Our God is a strong God. Scripture says He puts the stars in place and calls them each by name. Wow. He created the heavens and the earth. He holds up the canopy of space by the power of His Word. That's what the Scripture says. That's the only way to kind of explain it in human language. I don't know what the scientific or the supernatural explanation is, but that's what the English Bible says. He upholds the canopy of space by the power of His Word. Amazing. Blows your mind. Isaiah says it like this. In Isaiah 40, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So Anna Jules and every other child in our church and every adult for that matter needs to know this, that the Lord is the everlasting God and there ain't nothing that he can't handle. Amen? You don't sound convinced this morning. (laughs) So we declare it to everyone every Sunday without apology and without compromise. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint 
and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Jesus. God is almighty. And he gives power to those who are powerless. He gives strength to the weak. He upholds us. He strengthens us. To those who have no might, he increases. Did you see that? Did you see that in scripture? You're faint, you're weary, you're exhausted. But if you wait on the Lord, take some time to reflect and meditate on him. He promises to renew your strength spiritually and even physically. God is strong. Strong enough to forgive sin. Strong enough to heal the brokenhearted. Strong enough to protect us from evil. Strong enough to comfort the grieving. Strong enough to restore relationships and mend marriages. He's a strong God. And I trust in Him, don't you? So that opening phrase of, of verse 11, you know, David is declaring certainly one thing, two things, one thing, two. This is certain that our God is a strong God. But in addition to that, our God is also a loving God. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. You know, there are days when you just need God to show up as a strong, mighty, powerful God. The Lion of Judah roars again. And then there are other days where you just wish that God would show up as the Lamb of God who comforts and brings the reassurance of His love and care and comfort. Am I right? Absolutely. And here it is. God is strong and powerful, yes, but He's also kind and good and loving. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I mean, there, there it is. There's a declaration from Scripture that our God is a loving God. And He loves people from North Africa and the Middle East like we saw on the screen a few moments ago. He loves people from Romania and, and from St. Thomas and from Windsor. He loves us. He loves us. And He showed His love, you see. He showed His love by sending His Son, Jesus. Sometimes it's, it's just so easy for us to say, I, I love you. I love you, brother. I love you. But, but, but God the Father showed His love. I mean, he, it, was, it was showed in sacrificial action in sending His Son, Jesus. It's easy to see from Scripture that our God is a loving God. You look at the most famous verse of all the New Testament, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. 
So in the very beginning, God's design for us, for human beings, for mankind was perfect. Adam and Eve enjoyed unobstructed fellowship with God in the garden. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. But unfortunately, sin entered the picture. Adam and Eve decided they could do a better job of living life than according to their own plan, rather than living according to God's plan. Disobedience reared its ugly head, and brokenness followed. The unobstructed fellowship that Adam and Eve enjoyed with God was no longer there. There was brokenness in their relationship with God. Their fellowship was broken. And they were afraid. Remember, they hid in the garden and like, ooh. They were afraid. and They realized they were naked. Before that, that's all they knew. So it, their fellowship was broken. And now it seems like, like the, it seems like the whole world is broken. Broken governments and broken systems and broken schools and broken marriages and broken relationships. Everywhere you look, things are broken. It's broken. And because of sin, our relationship with God is also broken. But God the Father sent His Son, Jesus, who lived out a perfect life. He lived the life we could never live. And then Jesus went to the cross and gave his life, died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. He died the death that only he could die. We could never die that kind of sacrificial atoning death. Jesus died in our place. And the Bible says that he took upon himself on the cross. He took upon himself all of the sin of the world. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was Jesus. He died in our place and now he offers to us a new restored relationship with the Father. And everyone who believes in Him, everyone who repents of their sin and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, enters into this new relationship with God the Father. It's new and fresh and restored. Our God is a loving God, and even when we don't understand why He does what He does, and some of those things are difficult, aren't they? Even when good things happen to bad people. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Even when nations go to war against nations. Even when we're hungry or unemployed. Even when there's so much injustice in the world. Even when we feel angry toward God because of what He allowed into our lives. He still loves us. And when I think about that, I think just how incredibly conditional my love is at times. I will love you if. I will love you when. But God's love is completely and totally unconditional. He, 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 he loves us because God is love. One man who became thoroughly convinced, absolutely swayed by the amazing love of God, wrote these words. He said in Romans chapter 8, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, 
Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. Has he left anything out? Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Convinced, absolutely swayed by God's love. And, and, and when, you, when you get to that place where, you're, where you understand and accept the fact that God really does love you, how could you not respond to that in the affirmative? How, 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 did, how does a person walk away from, from those facts? How can you walk away from someone who is pure love and unconditional love, who's willing to accept you, warts and all? How do you walk away from that? How do you turn your back to that? Our God is a loving God. Nothing in all the world, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Jason Tusks was a 17-year-old honor student in high school. He was very, very close to his mom and dad and his younger brother, Christian. Jason was an expert swimmer who also loved to scuba dive. And so one Tuesday afternoon, he left his home in West Central Florida to explore a, a cave, an underwater cave, a spring and an underwater cave near his home. His plan was to be back home in time for... For dinner that night, the whole family was going to go out for dinner to celebrate his mother's birthday. However, Jason became disoriented when he was underwater and apparently got lost in the underwater cave. And then in his panic, he got wedged between two rocks and he could not get loose. So he shed his yellow metal air tank and unsheathed his diver's knife and using his tank as a tablet and his knife as a pen, he scratched one last message to his family. I love you, Mom, Dad, and Christian. And then he ran out of air and drowned. A dying message, something communicated in the last moments of life, is something that we never forget. I have stood at the bedside of quite a few people over the 35 years that I've been in Christian ministry, and you just never forget the last words that people say before they die. You, d you don't, especially if they're family. God's final words are etched on a Roman cross. And they also say, I love you. I gave my son for you. I paid the penalty for your sin. So what do you do with the final words of Jesus? What will you do with his final words today? Will you just walk away and pretend you never heard? Or will you open your heart and respond to the love of God 
and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I mean, that's, that's the best response. That's, a, that's the intelligent response. That's the thinking person's response is to say, well, if he's done all of that for me, how can I not respond to him by repenting of my sin and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? Perhaps this is your very first visit to the gathering. And if so, again, welcome. We're, glad, we're so glad you're here. Or, or maybe you've been here before, but you don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus. You, know? you may have a religious background of, of some kind, but you don't really know Jesus. Well, we'd like to introduce you to Jesus. That's, that's what we'd love to do at the gathering. We want to introduce you to Jesus, not to a whole, not to a new church system, not to a, a list of rules and regulations, not to a, a system of religion, not to the sacraments, not to, we want to introduce you to Jesus. That's the most important thing we can ever do for you, is to introduce you to Jesus. He is strong, and He's loving. He gave His life for you. Now, the rest of the response is up to you. To repent of your sin. To say, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry for trying to live my life according to me. I put my trust and faith in you now. I believe, Lord Jesus, I, I, I'm going to trust in you as my Lord and Savior. Would you do that today? Would you do it today before you leave? Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, reading your word this morning is, is kind of like finding a new treasure in an old field. It's like drinking from the, full, the, the cool fountain of grace in a dry desert of brokenness. Your word is never old, never antiquated, never redundant or irrelevant. It's always timely. Your word is always trustworthy and faith-building. You are the God who speaks in specifics and without stuttering, and we thank you for that. You speak so clearly to our hearts, as you did this morning. You're the Father who knows what we need even before we ask it. Our hope is in you, Lord Jesus. You're the one who promises sufficient grace for every day and every trial and every set of parents like Vlad and Miriam. You provide grace. You're the almighty God who is strong and loving at the same time. Lord, you make the mountains dance and the trees clap their hands. And right now, Lord, we, we look to you for all the spiritual, emotional, um, all the mental and physical strength that we'll need to live out the implications of this psalm and the glorious gospel of God. Lord Jesus, we are confident that nothing can separate us from your love. Not unreasonable people, not unlimited needs, not unfinished tasks. Nothing can separate us from your love. And Father, there might be people here this morning who are just sitting on the edge of their seat saying, yes, I, I want in, I want to believe, I want to become part of the family of God. And if that describes who you are this morning and where you're at this morning, why don't you simply say to, to the Lord Jesus, I believe. I trust you as my Lord and Savior today. Today is the day I repent of my sin and put my full trust in you, Lord Jesus.
Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And we thank you for wonderful opportunities that we had this morning with Anna Jules, dedicating her to the Father. We thank you for the, for the wonderful worship experience we had and seeing young men and young women being raised up to serve you. Just an encouragement to our hearts. We thank you for your word, which is true. Every word of the Bible is true. And we believe it. Thank you for the privilege of meeting together and worshiping together this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.